Well, the church bells are ringing. Get your butt to church. God bless it. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am Marty Leeds, your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart. And I was going live on Rockfin here, and it looks like I'm... Looks like I might be. I don't know. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Spicy Sarah's here. Mark Brotherson is here. Oh, the lovely Jen McNally's here. Ben Krupa. Daniel Stearns. Thank you all for joining me this morning. Good to see you all. Good to see the uh, familiar faces. Though I don't really see your faces. You know how it is. All right. Today's going to be good. As you guys know, we do service every Sunday, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'm on the East Coast right now because I'm at Flattoberfest. We're getting, I'm, I'm hanging with the Flurfers and the Flatties. Um, and it's a fantastic time. We're having a good time. So next Sunday, we'll be doing the same thing, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. So join us. Uh, if you want to support the work, uh, join us at the Gnostic Academy, uh, GnosticAcademy.org. Uh, you can do uh, three-month tithe, tithing, if you will, uh, 14 bucks for three months. You can do uh, you know repeating, or you can just do one year. And if you like what you see here, ring the bell for notifications. Um, that's the best way to get the content. So... I also have to thank Content Safe. Content Safe is the people that um, the uh, the folks over there, Matthew and I think Mark is the name. We'll say Mark. Um, they are the ones that are getting me on BitChute and Rumble and Odyssey and that sort of stuff. And so we've uploaded a bunch of stuff to Rockman, a bunch of premium content, and then all the sermons will be free at least for you know I don't know, a couple months or whatever. And then we might go premium with those. But so if you want the sermons, uh, best place to do is Rockman or my site. And then we're getting stuff on Rumble. I think they're going to work on that this week. And then um, Odyssey and BitChute. And so we'll have all the documentaries. Um, so, like, we need to talk about the ruffians and um, Ultimate Litmus Test and, you know, all those ones, the that Hooker Sandy, you know, all those videos. Those will be on um, the other platforms because those are, of course, they, they need to be free. So, so yes, thank you to Content Safe for making that happen. And are we live on Rockfin? Because does anybody know? It looks like we, hey, 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 good morning and God bless, Lindsay Smith. Thank you. It looks like we are. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Anyway, um, go live. Okay. Awesome. It looks like we are. Um, yes, we're at Flattoberfest right now. And I got to say uh, thank you to Karen B and everybody here. Everybody, it's been, it's been really great. Um, I got to say, it's so cool that, I mean, pretty much everybody you talk, not even pretty much, everybody you talk to is super chill. There's no, um, uh, there's no ego. There's no like hoity-toity thing. You know, you can walk up and talk to anybody here and everybody's cool. It's like a big, little, happy, gay little family. Um, but it's cool. It's uh, honestly, it's really great. And today's going to be a, a great group of speakers. We got uh, Austin Witsit gets it. Balderson's going to be up there. And then me, yours truly, I'm going to be speaking and it's going to be good. So um, haven't met everybody yet. Of course, I was at my table and, um, you know, it's been a long weekend, long drive and everything like that. So, but uh, it's been cool. Highly recommend. This is just a word of advice. If a guy named Balderson comes up to you and asks you to get into a black van, you don't want to do it. It's probably not going to end well for you. Um, this is just, it was just my experience. Okay. Went to another realm and uh, let's just say I got my booster shot, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, if you guys get a chance, please, please sign up at the True Earth Mount Miru Summit. That's Thames Live, T-E-M-M-S dot live. 
And that is a summit that we're doing November 11th and 12th, 2022, of course, this year. And if you use the promo code Marty50, you get 50% off. So I think it's like 100 bucks. I think all the VIP tickets are sold out now, um, uh, which is great. But uh, you can get the regular tickets and they're like 100 bucks. But if you use Marty50, my promo code, you will get 50% off. So it's 50 bucks for all, all the whole weekend. Um, and it's great. So you got, then this is the list of people. You got Brian at Heimpack Blogs, Mr. Avocado Wolf, uh, Jaronism. You've got Peggy Hall, Mr. Uh, Owen Benjamin, Alex Stein, Eddie Bravo, Bob Nodal, Austin Witsit, uh, Ben at Taboo Conspiracy, the Hibla, the Hibla, and Dirhur. Dirhur is going to, Mr. Weiss is going to be there. Iru Landucci, Christopher Crumb. Who is that guy there? I don't know who that guy is. He plays some music or something. He's 432 conspiracy music guru. Dave Murphy, uh, of the, the the lovely Amanda Volner, and then I don't know who that guy is. He's he's laying on a dog. I don't know what he's doing there. And then and then Caleb from TikTok. So I mean, they really got a good group of people together. They're really um, uh, you know covering 360 and as far as I think what they're what they're going to talk about. Obviously focused on the true earth about that we're being lied to about our cosmology, of course, but. Good group of people. So looking forward to that. And I really appreciate uh, Jaron and Austin for getting that together. It's really cool. I'm also going to be um, the lovely Lindsay over at Rogueways. You guys know Lindsay? Lindsay Sharman, I think is the last name. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Anyway, been on her show several times. She's been on my show. And uh, she's just a lovely person. And she asked me to do a, another online conference, One Day of Brightness. And we're going to be talking about the winter solstice. So I'm going to be speaking for... And it's just us three, and it's, um, I don't know how long it is, a couple, several hours or whatever, kind of a whole day event. And you can go to rogueways.org, that's rogueways.org, and then, you know, she's got the links there that you can sign up for that, which is really cool. But she asked me to do it and asked me to speak about the winter solstice and the meaning of that. And I'm like, sure, I can do that. I've done that before. So that's going to be great. So a lot of really cool stuff uh, coming up. So uh, your support is appreciated. Um, Crumb is at the Flat Fest as well. Is he? Awesome. Yeah, Small Axe is saying Rockfin is the best platform. It really is. I gotta say, I was very apprehensive of getting on Rockfin for the longest time, but then people were like, you gotta get on Rockfin, you gotta get on Rockfin. I'm like, ooh, no. But they actually did, a, they've done a really good job with it. I will say this. I've had some issues with Rockfin. I've had some issues with all of these sites, but they're doing pretty well over there and they do support all the, you know, a lot of creators, a lot of content creators, and they do support, you know, they actually advertise for people and stuff like that. Like dummies like me and my little, our little church, our tiny, tiny, it's just a small church. This is a little church. This is a tiny one. So, um, so thanks to them. So if you get a chance, um, go show Lindsay some love, go show us all some love and, uh, sign up at one day of brightness and Rockfin and all that other stuff. I want to say thank you to a bunch of people. Uh, Matthew Kwiatkowski? Sure, that's his name. Anyway, some people that just donated and became um, followers or subs on Rockfin and that sort of thing. Um, people that donated last week that I didn't get to say thank you to. So thank you to uh, Matthew, Mr. Small Axe. If they got a big tree, we got a small axe. Chop it down. Mark Brotherson, Allison Flynn, Liz the Iron Maiden, uh, L.M. Grassy. That's not correct. That's supposed to be a J. My Lord, I'm an author. Uh, I need an editor. Uh, Will, Willie G and Susie, uh, Deborah Style. 
uh, Ron and Linda, and then members of the Academy, everybody that's signed up. I really appreciate all the people that support. This only continues to go as long as the people support it. As long as the this, you know, if people value this, that I'll keep going. If they don't, then I won't. It's just that simple. I put it in your hands. So this this goes as long as you guys keep it going. Okay. So before we get into it, let's do a prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to feel your joy. I want my eyes to crinkle with gladness and my heart to swell with happiness. Joy like that comes from you. You can make me joyful in the hardest times. I have faith in you. Help me to spread your joy to others by living for you in each day. I praise you, the God who created joy, laughter, and song. In Jesus' name, amen. A quick and easy one, right? All right, today we're going to talk about uh, this is episode 38, The Cryptography of Christ. We're going to get a little mathy today. Sorry, guys. It's going to be a little bit mathy. And so um, that's just the way it is. I'll try to go over this stuff pretty... Um, I'll do it as paced as I can. Let's just say that. But you know me. It is what it is. So anyway, uh, today we're going to look at um, the notion that the Bible's encrypted in general, where we can find this in English, French, Spanish, and, and German, and what those numbers mean, okay? And this is something I've done before, but since this is, I haven't done it since we opened this church, and I figured this would be a good review for people that are like, what is, is why is gematria important? Well, we're going to ask that question and answer that question today, hopefully. As always, we'll be using the septenary cipher. Um, as you can see, it's right there, and I'm not going to go over the septenary cipher. I've got other videos that like that on the site and on Rockfin and all that sort of stuff, so if you want an explanation of where this comes from, how it's, you know, all the mathematical constants that are encoded in and all that other, all that good stuff you can find on the site. We're not going to cover that today, but we are going to go into, um, we're going to use this and go into multiple languages, okay? This is a cipher that I derive from the basic premise of Genesis. God doing his work in six days and then resting on the seven. And that's exactly what we have in the cipher. And then it mirrors itself. So, you know, God, do his, God did his work in one, two, three, four, five, six, and then rested and it rests on the G and, and T there. So that will, I always ha I always keep that on the screen just in case anybody needs a reference. So, um, okay. So I'm going to, now I've gotten lots of criticisms Lots of criticisms over the years, as you guys know, um, because lots of people can, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, well, um, you can make math fit anything, you know, you can make numbers fit anything you want, that sort of thing. And as I'm going to show you today, that's just not the case when you're only using one cipher. In fact, when we use this cipher and we look at multiple different languages, there's going to be no force fitting here at all. There's not going to be any number mumbo jumbo or math magic happening here. All we're going to do is use this septenary cipher and look at four different languages. Uh, once again, a cipher that I derive from the Holy Bible. And we're going to, um, like I said, use it um, cross-linguistically. Is that a word? It is now. Okay, so this is uh, one of the criticisms that I got. And this is, um, his name is James Robert, I think is what his name is. But... Uh, Geometria is not a thing. No, no, there's something in numbers, but your own interpretation of the numbers, to argue that um, there isn't a numerological aspect to the Bible is um, would be wrong to argue that there isn't. It's The problem is with someone like Marty is that they start inventing what the meanings of, uh, of this is. So... The claim, the general claim is, and this happens, you know, this isn't just with um, Mr. James Roberts there. Um, 
people have claimed, you know, made this claim or accusation over the years. Basically, it's like, oh, well, you know, you can fit numbers, you can invent the meaning and that sort of stuff. And so we're going to tackle that particular accusation and claim and criticism today. And so we're, we're not going to be, uh, you know, force-fitting meaning of numbers. We're just going to look at what, the, what this cipher derives in four different languages. And then I'm going to ask you guys. First question I'm going to ask is this. What relationship do you have to these two numbers? Okay. Now, a lot of people here are not like math hounds, you know, they're not like math magicians or logicians or whatever, you know, they, they don't spend their uh, free time investigating mathematics and sacred geometry and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we all have a relationship to numbers, especially very specific numbers. So I'm going to ask you guys, what is your relationship to these numbers and specifically the number 180 and then the number 365? So those are the two numbers that we're going to look at specifically today, 180 and the number 365. And I'm just going to ask you guys, and I know I'm a little bit delayed on my on the stream here. So I'll ask this question, and then if you guys can just put in the comment section here, um, I won't say anything, put in the comment section here, what are those numbers, uh, what's your relationship to them? How do you relate to these these numbers? Okay. Before we get into, so just keep that in your mind as we move forward. So we're going to talk about cryptography today, because basically what the claim is, is that the Holy Bible is an encrypted document, meaning that it's been ciphered, it's been encrypted. There's been deeper layers of information and that have been ciphered within the text, and um, that those layers allow a deeper meaning to the stories. And this is exactly what, you know, this is exactly what cryptography or cryptology, you can call it both, um, which is, again, the study of hidden knowledge, hidden meaning, you know, basically, hey, there's, a, there's some more information and we've hid it within this text. This is essentially what encryption is. Now, cryptography or, or encryption or cryptolo cryptology, excuse me, has been around a very, very long time, a very long time. And of course, we use it today in all sorts of things. Like if you have a, a you know, a Threema app or something, they encrypt the code and, you know, they, you know, Software engineers and stuff like this and computer programmers, they use this stuff all the time. In fact, you can see uh, modern cryptography exists at the intersection of the disciplines of mathematics, computer science, information security, electrical engineering, digital signal processing, physics, um, information security, data confidentiality, data integrity, authentication, uh, non-repudiation, etc., etc., etc. Computer passwords, military communications, of course, the CIA, the FBI, all of these, uh, the military, they use encryption all the time, okay? So, um, so let me just say, just because something's encrypted doesn't mean it was like handed down from on high, like God wrote this, God's hand came down, and because it's encrypted, that means anything. People encrypt stuff all the time. Okay, but what we're saying with the Bible is that the Bible is a is a is a great book of mysteries, and one of the and it's a in, in my opinion one of the greatest if not the greatest I would say it's the greatest uh, literary work of all time. And one of the reasons, one of the many many reasons, is that it does include it within its um, within its stories and layout and everything like that encryption methods and layers of encryption. Okay, now. This is not 
me saying that, by the way, is not some like woo woo, like out of the blue kind of thing. It's really well understood that the Hebrew Torah is very well encrypted with mathematics. There's no question about it. Um, gematria and gematria is, of course, the art of signing number, assigning numbers to uh, letters and therefore to unveil deeper meanings to what's being said in the story. Um, gematria is a numerological system by which Hebrew letters correspond to numbers. This actually comes from, I think this comes from Chabad.org or one of those sites, basically. But um, this system developed by practitioners of Kabbalah, which they call Jewish mysticism, the Jews are always taking credit for everything, derived from the Greek influence. So they, apparently they derived it from the Greek influence and became a tool for interpreting biblical texts. So one of the tools... It's not like it's just about the math. Duh, right? I mean, I've also gotten this accusation over the years. It's like, oh, they're just, they, they're, they worship numbers and they think it's all about numbers. No, that's just one layer of, of the story. As you know, we, we, we show layers of astrobiology and astrology, star study. Um, we get into etymology and things like that. So there's many, many different layers of the Bible, one of them being mathematical, okay? And, of course, in the realm of biblical interpretation, commenters base an argument on numerological equivalence of words. So, in other words, when you make an argument as to what, the, what, the, what a story means or what a character means, right, and you have your argument. So I say, hey, um, in one of the symbolic manifestations, Jesus is a representation of the Son. Now, that's not saying that Jesus is just the Son. No, we're not saying that at all. But when one of his symbolic manifestations, one of the references that we can take to this character named Lord Jesus Christ is that he represents in one aspect the sun. That's fine, okay? But now if you actually go into the math of Lord Jesus Christ and then you find numbers of the sun, well, then you have a connection. And this is essentially what they're saying. So the Hebrew Torah has been known by rabbinical scholars and you know just rabbis in general, um, taught for all, you know, I mean, not all Jewish scholars teach this, but many, 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 many do. It's well known that their alphabet has a numerical foundation. And so if you look at the Old Testament, and of course there's that New Testament that's like slapped onto the Old Old, old Testament, right? And it's like it's the, the old stuff and then our stuff, right? Anyway, um, the history is that it's been an encoded document. And rabbis will tell you this all over. So it's not, it's not even a, a point of contention, really. All you have to do is really look at the history. Um, this actually comes from Chabad.org. Letters and numbers of the Torah. Rabbi uh, Raskin looks at the hidden meanings of the sizes and numerical values gematria of the Hebrew letters in a weekly Torah portion. So this guy's doing his little weekly sermon just like I do. And he's saying, look, there's some math here. It's been encrypted. Okay. Now, just so you know, uh, there's been ciphers, and this is well known. You don't have to be one of those flurfers with their tinfoil hat on and stuff like that to think that there, or to understand that there has been numerical foundations for languages, and this has been well known. In fact, when I was studying a lot of this stuff, I actually went to sources that were not like um, even biblical scholars or anything like that. I actually went to some, you know, professionals or, you know, philologists and professors of language and stuff like that who are not conspiracy-minded people. They're not people that are writing on religious anything. They're just looking at the history of language and they're saying, look, there is a long history of numbers being attached to letters and therefore, well, what does that lead you to? That there's encryption there, okay? It's well known the Greeks have a cipher, 
Um, and once again, if you go into multiple different books, you will find the exact same cipher being used. Hebrew, there's your foundational cipher on the right there. Arabic has the abjad letter system. That's the lower left there that says very clearly that, look, these letters have numbers attached to them. There's an Indian system called the Kaja, oh, let's butcher this, Marty, Kajapayadi system? Sure, something like that. But it's the, the whole point is that, look, this uh, Katapadiadi system, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, the point is, right, the, un the underlying fundamental point is, is that there's numbers that have been attached to these letters for the express purpose of encrypting things that there was a deeper meaning to these stories and that they were, you know, um, the foundation of them was numerical. Now, there's lots of Christians that actually have a problem with this. Well, number one, they'll say, well, English was, it wasn't written back in the day in English and stuff like that and blah, blah, English isn't a sacred language and all that sort of stuff. Well, then we also look at the fact that the Bible has been translated ex expressly and explicitly into English and that there were translators that did this. And so we have to say that, well, when they were doing these translations, especially, of course, we talk explicitly or exclusively about the authorized King James. That's the only Bible that in English that I'll even mention because the, as, we, as I've talked about before, the rest of them are God freaking awful. But when they were translating this stuff, did they cipher it when they translated it? Now, I'm saying yes, and I'm saying that this is the cipher in which they used, and this is the one that I actually got from the Bible. Now, when people say that it's like, oh, well, they did that back in the day, and the Greeks did that, and the Hebrews did that, and, and all this other stuff, and then we, they sort of just throw out English as if it's not sacred. Yet, this language, this medium, which we have no idea where it comes from, we have no idea who designed it or if it was handed down from on high, we have no idea the history of actually how we've come to use and develop the modern English language. We don't really even know how old it is in this sort of sense. Um, the history is very sketchy, let's just say that. So we don't know the origin of this. We don't know how of our language. We don't know how it was set up and everything like that. Yet it has specific rules, specific rules for spelling, orthography, syntax. Um, you know, the, the, the meanings of the words have very specific meanings, that so much so that you can make dictionaries on them. And so we use this language to communicate our world to one another, to tell our spouse or the loved ones that we love them, you know, to, um, to communicate and talk about how they're lying about our cosmology. We use this language all the time to express to one another every uh, the entire meaning of our world yet it's not sacred enough to to have been been encrypted right if you think that english is not a sacred language then why would you dare read an english bible why would you why wouldn't you go back to the original greek or the go to hebrew whatever it is if if english isn't sacred then why are you reading an english bible doesn't make any sense Apparently, whoever translated the Bible said, well, it's sacred enough to, <laughs> right, to actually translate this and into English. So, so people will say, well, the Bible, you know, there's many Christians that will say, well, the Bible isn't encrypted. It's not an encrypted document, right? There's nothing like that. That's all a cult, blah, 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 blah. You get the, you know, you know the story. And so my question is, is that, well, to say that just basically shows that you don't know the history of cryptography. You don't know the history of cryptology or an encryption because, um, well, beyond what they're saying here, we know it's been going on for a very, very long time, just as long as the Hebrew Torah has been around at least that long. And so we have ma like major writers of, of our time knowingly, the public knew 
that these writers had things encrypted within their stories. So Shakespeare's one of them. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe's another guy. Um, that the cryptography that, look, these stories, there was a deeper message there. There was another layer of information that they know that they encrypted stuff. It wasn't just your, oh, Romeo and frickin' Juliet who fell in love and then they, blah, 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 blah. There was something else going on there. Okay? And like I said, we're going to use the septenary cipher to find out what else is going on there. And the septenary cipher, I'm just going to mention this really quick, can be found all over the world. You can find the um, symbols or insignias or patterns in order to actually, you know, find this septenary cipher all over the world. And it's something I've covered in the book, Lord Jesus Christ. I actually go over each one of these and several more. But you can find it in dice. You can find it in the music scale. You can find it in the Freemasonic square and compasses. Of course, the opening of Genesis. Um, God doing his work in six days and resting on a seven. You can find it in, of course, Da Vinci's Last Supper. You can find it in the Zodiac. You can find it in the Menorah. You can find it on the damn Ouija board. The Tetragrammaton points to this, uh, this cipher as well. You can find it on the UN logo. That's lying to us about our cosmology. You can find this, uh, this ciphering on the emblem of Israel. And all you have to do is do basic enumeration on these things and you can find them. So um, so the septenary cipher is not just something that dreamed up in the mad mind of Marty Leeds. No, you can find this general mathematical pattern all over the world in insignia symbols, like I said. Not only that, we've talked before about the fact that we, we utilize, just because Kabbalists utilize this as well, the fourfold patristic or hermeneutic approach. It's called the Pardes in um, Jewish Kabbalah. It's where we get the word paradise, actually. But it's this specific way in which you're supposed to decode, and that's right, decode the stories of the Bible. And of course, that means that they're coded. That means they're encrypted, okay? This is a four-layer approach. This is the literal. Literal doesn't, literal, literal literally just means literature. It doesn't mean historical. They're not necessarily antithetical ideas, but they're, you know, literally mean, literal or literature literally means that you're reading literature, which is exactly what you're doing. So there's the literal. There's the moral, which basically says, hey, every one of these stories has a moral to it. There's an allegorical, which means there's an allegory to it. I think we can understand this. The last one, and this is, this is something that's purported by the Orthodox Church, but it doesn't, they don't seem to actually utilize this, this whole method, which is very sad in my opinion. But um, anagogical, anagogical literally, see what I did there? Literally means occult, esoteric, mystical. That's what it means. So here, here's the, the, the alleged church fathers of the Orthodox tradition. And they're saying, hey, there's this, per, there's this specific way in which you're supposed to do biblical exegesis, in which you're supposed to decode the stories of the Bible. And at the very bottom or top, <laughs> however you want to look at it, is the anagogical. It's the occult. It's that there's a mystical meaning to these stories. Well, as we're going to see is that one of the ways that we can extract this mystical meaning is what? Through math. Through specific mathematics that have been encoded. Now, we're not actually going to look at any stories of the Bible today. Like I said, we're going to look at um, English, French, Spanish, and German and use this septenary cipher that I derived from the Bible and look at those languages. Um, and so this is the question we have to ask when Christians come along and be like, oh, numerology is bull honky and gematria doesn't mean anything because there's lots of Christians that do this. And, you know, you can make numbers fit anything, that sort of thing. So if you take this position, you're, you're literally taking the position that the biblical translators, right, the people that were, you know, translating all this stuff into modern English, they didn't bother 
to do any like deeper, deeper levels of mathematical encryption in there. They didn't do that at all. So were they not smart enough? It's literally like, so William Shakespeare was, an intel was intelligent enough, whoever William Shakespeare was, which was probably a guild of writers. This guy probably wasn't even a dude. Just like Pythagoras probably wasn't even a dude. That's another live stream. So William Shakespeare was allegedly intelligent enough to cipher his work. And Edgar Allan Poe was intelligent enough to cipher his own work. But the b biblical writers slash translators were not. If that's your official position, I, I just hate to say this, but I think your official position kind of sucks. There's, you know, the, the Holy Bible is considered one of, by many, many people across the world and throughout, you know, for millennia, has been considered one of the greatest literary works of all time. And I would, I would tend to agree to that, um, with that. And so I think it's, I think it's the most reasonable, rational commonsensical and logical thing in the world to say, yes, this book has been encoded with math. William Shakespeare could do it. Edgar Allan Poe could do it. Guys like, you know, allegedly James Joyce and things like that, they can do it. But the biblical translators, they didn't. I think it's a silly position to take. So now I asked you guys about that 180 and 360. Ooh, thank you very much. The bee's queen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that 50. Deb McNally is here. Mama McNally's here. Good Sunday morning. Much love to all. Okay. Um, I asked you guys about one, uh, 180 and 365. Did you guys give me any answers to that? Oh, come on. I need some participation here. <laughs> 121 watching. That's 11 times 11. Um, okay. Well, you ruined my show, everybody. Worst congregation ever. No, I'm just kidding. 180, right? So we're going to talk about 180. We're going to talk about 365. I think 365 is pretty clear. You said, hey, what is, what's your relationship to the number 365? Not force-fitting anything. Just been, what is your relationship to that number? Would you say it's the number of days in the solar year? I think most people would, Correct. That's the one number. It's like 365. Well, what other what are thing are you going to relate that to? Well, the entire pattern in which the sun makes every single year? Derp. Duh, of course, right? What's 180? Well, 180 is the internal degrees of any triangle. doesn't matter if it's isosceles, acute, right, obtuse, whatever. It doesn't matter. Every single, um, every single one of those triangles, its internal degrees will be 180. Okay, and so there's lots of things that you can relate 180 to, like your neck, basically, you know, your head turns 180 degrees, that sort of thing. Though you see more than that with your eyes, but that's essentially what your head turns. Sun and moon do a general 180 degree arc over our head, that sort of thing. So there's lots of things that we could say 180 to, but when you understand... That's all right. Did I say 360? Oh, well, see, this is why I needed, <laughs> this is why I need you guys to be like, hey, dummy, you said 360. So, uh, so 365, three days in the year. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I already botched this whole thing. That's just kind of what I do. Okay, so 365, obviously, as I, as I went. So 180, well, if you know the basics of geometry, you're going to say, well, 180 is the degrees of a triangle, right? Now, the triangle... 180 being the degrees of the triangle is is a, is um is literally three sides becoming one. That's what it is. It's the most fundamental foundational geometry that you'll that you can really create in 2D anyway. 
um, you know, say for your circle with a compass, but you know, this is your first polygon, right? I call it the embryonic polygon of creation, in fact. Um, so here we have three sides becoming one geometric form. Now, this, this idea of a trinity is found all over the world, and one of the things it references is the three aspects of God, that he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. In other words, as we say, Christ is always with us. There's, it's like, well, when's Christ going to come back? He's here. He's always with us. And it's your realization is when he actually comes back and returns within you. Um, omniscient, all-knowing. So this is the three aspects of God, right? All-powerful, ever-present, and all-knowing. He knows everything. He's everywhere at once. He's always around. There's no place where you can go where he isn't. And he's all-powerful. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, of course. So this is literally the three aspects of God and the one God, of course. Now, this idea of three becoming one is found all over the world. And this is why we teach the Prisca Theologia. This is why we teach the universal mystery religion here, is that we understand that when you get past the exoteric of all of these great, great traditions, right, what you'll find is the same basis of information. And then information has to be universal. It's available to all people, okay? And this is one of the reasons that they use mathematics, because math is the same to everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, you can lie about math, yes, right? You can BS about math. You can try to tell people that 2 plus 2 equals 5, sure, right? But you can also use math to find out that they're lying. No, quantitatively, 2 plus 2 equals 4, okay? This, the third triangular number is always going to equal 6. 3 times 3 is always going to equal 9. The internal degrees of that triangle is always going to equal 180 degrees, okay? So we find this trinity, this three, three becoming one across the world. Of course, in the Christian canon, we find it in Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Three different aspects becoming one. Hindu, Shiva, Brahman, and Vishnu. This is stuff we've covered before, I know, but this is a good review. Egyptian, Isis, Osiris, Horus. There's an Orphic trinity, a Grecian Orphic trinity, Fanes, Aranos, and Kronos. You have the Norse. The Norse have trinities all day long, right? The Norse, Odin's horn. The Sicilian Trinacria. Literally, the three three legs, um, there's different aspects of that put onto, you know, the one head there. The Celtic triquetra, I think is how you say that, triquetra. The French fleur-de-lis, you've got that center one, you got a left one and a right, and it's bound together. We talked about that, I think, last Sunday when we talked about, um, we did a little bit on the Boy Scouts. So, trinities across the world. Oh, we're not done yet. Oh, more Norse stuff. Valknut. There's the Valknut, Right? Basically, triangle, 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 and they're intertwined, okay? Three spirals. You'll see this in a bunch of different cultures, in fact. You'll see, um, the, like, native cultures and things like that. They'll do this three-spiral thing. Those three spirals are all connected into one. The Aum, which is the word, the Aum, right? This is literally, they tell you, that, they just come out and straight tell you this. It's past, present, and future becoming the one movement and fluid movement of time. Um, Hecate's wheel. You can even see that. It's this this top part here and this part here and this part here, and they're combined. They're in, they're into one. Flags across the world. Um, here's just a smattering, a few examples of this. I'm I, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna read all these off, but you can clearly see what's what's the general idea that's being that's being purported there. Three becoming one. So my question is, and now three becoming one is the triangle, and it equals 180 degrees. So my question is this. If this wasn't universal, if, they, I, if there wasn't a universal um, system of knowledge that was behind all of these great traditions, then why would they come up with the exact same mathematical idea? Why, in other words, why three becoming one? Why not five becoming two? 
Why not seven becoming 10? Why not 193 becoming four? Because every single one of these cultures understood that God is universal and can speak to every single human being. Every single person has access to that base of information that allows us to understand the basic principles of God. That's, understand, that's understood through the triangle. Three, becoming one. So why not five becoming two? Why not seven becoming ten? Because the Trinity is something that is foundational to our creation, and hence why you find it all over the world. Now, Jennifer and I, we just took a little tour to Germany, and we saw this triangle in relationship to God in a bunch of different places. And there's also a bunch of illustrations and things like that that we've shown before here. Why does God have the triangle behind him? You'll find numerous, numerous examples. Of course, you have the circle behind Christ there. You'll find Christ will sometimes have a triangle as well. I'll show images of this. This is all the Trinity, by the way. Three becoming one. Three into one. So there's God. There's the good old G-man up there. Uh, there's an all-seeing eye of God. What, all, it's God. It's his all-seeing eye. That means, what is, what is he saying? He sees all things. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient, all-powerful. That's the three aspects. Um, this is the one that we saw, one of the ones that we saw in when we were in Germany in Nuremberg there. There's God on the right there, the creator, the father. And what does he got? A big-ass triangle behind his head. There's another one. There's the Trinity, three right there. A couple different versions of it. He's got the triangle right in front of him, then a triangle behind his head. What are they telling you about? Fundamentals of geometry. There's a triangle, a triangle, a triangle, lots of triangles. There's more triangles. All three becoming one. Here's a bunch of them. All-seeing eye of God. What are, what are they pointing to? Fundamentals of geometry. Pointing, of course, there's a lot of things. I mean, all... All of these religious symbols are polyvalent, meaning that they have many different layers and, and meanings to them, right? Um, but of course, one of them, it obviously, obviously has to be geometric, okay? And of course, we know that there's another one. There's God with the triangle behind his head. And uh, we know that uh, Christ is the preserver. He's the present. The Father is the creator. It's the future. And the Holy Ghost is the past. A ghost is literally a ghost and a spirit in this sense. The Holy Ghost is literally a dead, ethereal entity, okay? And we've discussed that, like, no, that doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost is evil or anything like that. We've gone over this many, many times, that in order to be reborn, you must seek the death. And that's the death of the old, ignorant self, the, the prideful self, the ego-ridden self. And as soon as that death occurs, that's when the Holy Ghost, you know, that's, that's who brings you that death, is the Holy Ghost, so that you can be preserved through Christ, okay? So all of these triangles all over the world are related specifically to God, okay? Now, what we're gonna do is, once again, go into French and English and Spanish and all this other stuff, and we're gonna find two things, two, two numbers as we, as we started this thing off with, and I said 360, I'm sorry if I said that, dummy. Uh, we're going to look at these two numbers, 180 and 365. And there's going to be no inventing the meaning here. I'm not going to be force-fitting anything. I'm just going to show you exactly what plugging all of this stuff in, all of these words in, in, in English, French, and Spanish, and German, what, it, what, this, what, this, you know, what the sum is, okay? And what we're going to do is find 180 and 365, okay? So no force-fitting numbers, no inventing the meaning, I think we all can, once again, have a relationship, a natural relationship to these numbers. 
And um, th- well, 365 specifically because God is ordaining this, the pattern of the sun. God has ordained the, the, the canon of mathematics as well. So, so what we're going to do is look at what's right in front of us, okay? Um, God put 10, well, you know, eight fingers and two thumbs, I guess we'll say, but, you know, for, for this conversation, 10, 10 little digits, little piggies there, if you will, right in front of you. He put 10, he put five on the left and five on the right, did he not? I think we can all agree on this one. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the decimal system, okay? Now, the decimal system is actually the numbers 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Of course, there are 10 numbers. Most people don't start counting with zero. So when we count, we usually count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But the decimal system, deca meaning 10, is the number 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Now, these 10 digits, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, can create any other number in creation. That's literally a numeric alphabet. So it doesn't matter how big, how complex the number is, if you use decimals, if you use you know, fractions, it doesn't matter. You will be using to, for, for this, for whatever number you're discussing, you will be using these 10 digits, period, okay? There's no question about it. No mathematician would argue this. In fact, mathematicians have, have written eloquently about the fact that this is pretty, um, for lack of a better term, magical in, in one sense, okay? So zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're going to be looking at these two today, okay? And we're going to look at the spellings of those ten digits, zero through nine or one through ten, in four different languages, okay? And just see what we come up with. Now we're going to be using the septenary cipher, and we're going to be talking about this is gematria today. So in other words, we're going to be looking at cryptology. We're going to be looking at the cryptography and cryptology of Christ, okay? So, few things before we get going. Christ is everywhere. He's ever-present. God is ever-present. This is what omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent means, okay? So if God is present everywhere, well, that means he's present in our language as well. That's what it means. I mean, it's not saying that he isn't present with us right here and that sort of thing. It's not saying he's just in our language. No, God is everywhere. So therefore, that means that God must be in our alphabet, must be in our language, and that's what we're going to look at today, okay? But English is a very sacred and divine language. Now, one of the things we have to, we have to go into is when we talk about gematria, there's actually, there's, and once again, you can look this stuff up. It's been understood for many years and that sort of thing, that there's rules to gematria. That there's, just like the fourfold patristic approach in which you're supposed to do biblical exegesis and go in and actually decode that stuff, there's specific things. Hey, there's going to be a literal story. Then there's going to be a moral story. Then there's going to be an allegorical story. And then there's going to be an anagogical story. There's going to be a mystical aspect to this, you know, the, your, your whatever story you're looking at. There's these different layers. That's just how it works. Gematria is no different. One of the rules in Gematria is called the rule of Kolel. And it's a Kabbalistic rule, Okay. And it states that uh, the Kabbalistic rule of Kolel, and this is going to be an important, this is going to be an important one to understand, um, states that one digit can be added to or subtracted from the gematria value of a word without affecting its value. And it goes on to say this seems to be, to modern ears, to be a cheat. However, the Kabbalists explain the rule by pointing out that for them, one was not a number. The monad symbols uh, symbolizes the divinity and could come and go as he pleased adding nothing and taking nothing away. So this is just one of the explanations of why you can add or subtract one. Um, 
there's other explanations as well. Uh, one I give in, one I give in the book as well that you have to really include yourself in the math when you're doing math, right? But that's beyond this. Now, um, so just so you know, it's no different than a rule of spelling, like I before E except after C. It's no different, right? So English has rules of spelling. You go to German, they have rules of things you have to do in order to spell words correctly, in order for the grammar to be correctly, in order for you to have a you know a, a solid sentence structure, etc., etc., etc. There's no different than that in Gematria, okay? Um, Shakespeare, once again, talking about good old Willie. Not my, not my blind William Shakespeare, but William Shakespeare. Uh, Shakespeare refers to the concept, this rule of Kolel, in his sonnets, where he writes, Among a number one is reckoned none. Among a number one is reckoned none. This is a poetic way of basically saying, look, you have one, you can take it away, you can add to it. Among a number one is reckoned none. Okay? So, let's dance, shall we? And so once again, we're going to address um, the, the critics out there uh, specifically. And by addressing the critics, we'll do some learning. You know, we'll actually educate ourselves. And that's really, what, that's really what I'm supposed to be doing as a teacher. So hopefully at the end of this, you'll actually learn something. So we're going to address this, inventing the meaning of numbers. That yes, there's a meaning. Some people like uh, Mr. James Robert there says that, yes, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's numerology in the Bible and there's, there's numbers in the Bible, but nothing of what I'm presenting. And that's what he's saying. And many people have said this before. I'm not just picking on James Roberts here. Geometria is not a thing. No, no, there's something in numbers, but your own interpretation of the numbers, to argue that um, there isn't a numerological aspect to the Bible is, um, would be wrong to argue that there isn't. It's, the problem is with someone like Marty is that they start inventing what the meanings of, uh, of this is. So we're not going to invent any meanings to the number 180 or the number 365. We all have a relationship, a direct relationship to those numbers, nor am I going to be force-fitting or anything, anything here. I'm just going to show you exactly what comes out when you use the septenary cipher that has been derived from the Holy Bible, and we're going to look at it in a bunch of different languages. And the first one, and we're going to look at the numbers 0 through 9 and 1 through 10. And why are we doing that? Because that's what God gave us right in front of us. Put it down below in our feetsies, and our little toes, and our little digits up here. Zero. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, let's do this. English, zero through nine. You can double check all of this work. You do not need to rely on me to do any of this stuff. You do not need to trust me. You can just do the math yourself, and you will see that God has some way and somehow or at least uh, we don't even we don't even have to say God. We can say the people that have translated the the, the or, you know, created our language or adopted our language or were gifted our language, and the people that translated and actually created these languages were encoding these principles that help us understand basic stuff like the Trinity, basic stuff like the pattern of the sun. Okay, English zero through nine zero one two three four five six seven eight nine. Go ahead and add it up. And you know what you get? You get 180. Okay? So zero is 13. You can do the math there. Zero is 13. One is 8. Two is 13. Three is 28. Four is 19. Five is 21. Six is 14. Seven is 22. Eight is 30. And nine is 12. Okay? So that's 180. Well, what is that? Well, you know, once again, um, you know, I mean, all we have to do is why is Christ 
a trinity? Why is he involved in a trinity at all? Why does he have God and him, Jesus? They're one, by the way. <laughs> Why do they have triangles behind them? Why? Maybe there's a deeper meaning there. Maybe the meaning is crafted within our own language. So there's 0 through 9, which equals 180. And of course, if we go English 1 through 10, it equals 180. So it doesn't matter if you're using 0 through 9 to count, which is the decimal system, or just how we normally count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It equals 180. So once again, some of you know this if you've, if you've purchased the books. Um, pay attention. Pay attention, James Robert. We don't want you to go full RV. He's already gone full RV. Never go full RV. So there's that. Now, mind you, speaking of RV um, and all of his hatred towards masonry, do you know when I actually... When I actually uncovered this cipher, right? It was like a flash of inspiration. And I did it with two things. I did it with the, the beginning of the Bible. God did his work in six days and rest on the seventh. And so I went A, B, C, D, E, F, and I stopped at G. And when I stopped at G, do you know what? One of the things I had been studying heavily for years was masonry. And I was like, oh yeah, the G. That's right. You know, that compass isn't square and they smack a G right there. What, what's, I mean, what, why'd they do that? What does the G mean? Well, one of the things that they're trying to tell you with that main insignia is that, guess what? Our language is encrypted. It's encoded. So that's English and, uh, that's English, 0 through 9 and 1 through 10. Okay? So let's move on to those Frenchies. Let's go to the Frenchies. Um, this is French, so of course in uh, English we don't have this, but in um, a lot of other languages, as you'll see, Spanish is the same way, French is the same way, German is the same way, lots of other languages, you know, they assign a gender to the uh, number, well, objects and things like that as well, but um, just for our study here. So they'll use, um, like for instance, French is un or un or un, I'm probably saying this correctly, un or un, right? And um, um, so you can use both. So here's the French male, one through ten. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, uh, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix. And then, of course, you have the female, one through ten. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, sept, six, uh, sept, huit, neuf, dix. I'm sorry. I don't speak other languages. Uh, there you go. So one through ten. On the left there, there's the French. And what do you have? 180, right? Smack on the money. 180. Once again, this is the internal degrees of the triangle. Okay, so now you have the French female, and that equals 185. Well, that's not the internal degrees of the triangle, so I guess we're force-fitting stuff here, right? Well, what happens when a man and woman, of course, that's what we, that's what went down here, I think, you guys. Do we need to go over the birds and bees? Do we need to go over the birds and bees? So it takes, um, there's not 76 genders. Let's start there. There's the male, and then there's the female, and those two have to come together to produce children. So, having the men, man and woman down here come together is, is actually procreation. It means you're pro, you're for creation. That's what procreation means. You're for creation. So you bring come together, man and woman, and then they produce a child. And then the child gets a chance to search for the Trinity. So... On the, the French there, you have the male, and that's 180. And so what happens when a French male and a French female come together and hold hands? What number is derived? 
Is it 365? It's 365. Well, that's the number of the days of the solar year. Once again, that 365, it isn't, it isn't a, by the choice of us. We don't just be like, well, we're just going to enumerate the sun and then it's, we're just going to put 365 in there. No, God, by his patterns, that's what Father comes from, Pat, Peter, his patterns has ordained that pattern for us. And that's the entire cycle of life and death right here. It's the cycle of growth, of course, right? Everything springs up in spring, then it gets summer and all this stuff grows and all of a sudden falls and everything falls and dies and then winter and then the whole cycle starts again. And that's all based on a number. Not all based on a number, but we understand it through a number. That's how we calculate time, 365. Here's the French uh, male zero through nine and French female zero through nine. So once again, we're looking at, instead of one through 10, we're just looking at zero through nine. So zero, un, deux, trois, et cetera, et cetera, trois, cat, cinq, six, six, set, huit, neuf, whatever. Hmm. Anyway, so now we have 181 and 186. Well, that's not 180. And if you add those together, as you know, that's 367 or whatever. That's, no, that's not. Marty, you're force-fitting stuff. Okay, but let's go back to our rule of Colel. Once again, this is a rule, a Kabbalistic rule. This is something that you need to utilize in order to understand what you're, what's being decoded. So the Kabbalistic rule of Kalel states that one digit can be added to or subtracted from the gematria value of a word without affecting its value. So let's do this with the French. Minus one on the left there. What do you have? 180. Minus one on the right there with the French female, 186. What do you have? 185. So all we're doing is using the rules of the very system, gematria system that we're using to decode these languages, using the rules, and what do we get? 180, 185. Now, let's let, the, let's let that, that male and female, that man and woman join hands, and what do they have? Is that 365? Once again, 365, that has not, I'm not, I don't have to force fit anything. I don't have to invent the meaning of the number 365. We all know what that means. Here's Spanish. How about this one? Here's the Spanish male, one through ten. Un, deux, trois, uh, what? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Something like that. Butchering this stuff this morning, it's what I do best. Spanish male 1 through 10, what do you got? 180. Smack right dab on the money there. And people are like, oh, no, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get to that. Just everybody calm down. Keep your panties on. Don't get your BVDs in a bind. Spanish male 1 through 10, 180. Now, you can even, just because, um, just because we're using these words too, like most people would count like uno, dos, tres, right? But you can say one cow or one table or something like that. And, and if, it's a, if it's a male object, then you would use un, right? So this is why we're looking at this. So now we have 180 and 181, Spanish female, 1 through 10. Una, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez, 181. Okay, well, use once again, just use the rule of Colel. Minus one from over there. 181 now becomes 180. Now join hands, male and female. In Spanish, what do you have? You have the number 360. What relationship do you guys have to the number 360? Is it the internal degrees of the square? Is it the degrees of a circle? No force fitting. 
No nothing. Just here's the words, here's the cipher, plug in the numbers, and what do you get? So that's Spanish looking at male and female. Now let's look at Spanish. So zero, uno, dos. So this is zero through nine and one through ten. Okay. So zero, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve. And then, of course, you have uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. So there you have 182 and 182. Okay. Well, now join hands. Doesn't matter if you're man, woman, doesn't matter. This person, or, or just use zero through nine or one through 10. Doesn't matter. Join hands. What do you have? 182 plus 182 is 364. 182, the 10 digits of a Spanish and zero through nine and the 10 digits, Spanish one through 10, 182 plus 182 is 364. Okay. We'll go back to your rule of Colel. 364, just add one. What do you have now? You have 365. 365. Are we force-fitting anything here? Are we inventing the meaning? Are we following the very rules in which Kabbalah states, Gematria states? Absolutely. Once again, there's many different sources that you can find the rule of Colel. It's an important... You know, important thing to know when you do this. And this is why. How is this even working? We just, uh, we just used one cipher that we got from the Holy Bible. We put it on French, and English, and Spanish, and we're not done yet. And what are we getting? Pointing to the exact same numbers. 180, 365, 360, that's a pretty important one. Does anybody anybody here do any like calculus or trigonometry or you know, any geometry whatsoever? You're gonna be dealing with the 360, that number. So there's that. So 364, add one. Here's Spanish male zero through nine. So instead of uno, you're using un. On uh, the female, instead of uno, you're using una. So this is Spanish male zero through nine and female zero through nine. Of course, I'm not going to butcher these words again. But you can see what happens yet again. What happens? On the left there, the Spanish male zero through nine is 180. And then on the right there, the female is 181. Okay. Just use the rule of Colel and take one away from the 181. Now hold hands, male and female. Come together in unity and love. And what do you have? 360 yet again. So, English. 360, 180, 365, French, male 1 through 10, female 1 through 10. Here's the French 0 through 9, female, you know, male 0 through 9, French, female 0 through 9. What do you have? Use the rule of Colel. Come together. What do you have? 365. Spanish male 1 through 10. Female 1 through 10. Come together and use the rule of Colel. What do you have? 360. Spanish 0 through 9. Spanish 1 through 10. Come together. Use the rule of Colel. Add one. What do you have? 365. Spanish. Here we, here we Again, 0 through 9. Female, male. Come together. Use the rule of Colel and subtract one. What do you have? 360.
Here's the German. Now, there's many different ways, and I actually cover this in the book, and I actually give all the ways in which you can, um, you can, because there's the, you, because it depends on how you do this, because you can use the umlaut and not, and I've covered every single one, and I put them in the back of the book for anybody that wants to explore this more. But here you have the German male zero through nine, and then the German female zero through nine. Okay, and I'm not going to say this because my wife's in the background and I'll butcher all of this and she'll be like, God bless it, man. My Lord, we've been together how many years and you're still butchering my language? Yes, I am. So, null, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun. Not too bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, add those, put those together. What do you get? One eight, same thing that you would have in freaking Spanish, too. Or is it French? I think it's French. Uh, 180 on the left, 185 on the right. I put those together. What do you got? Is that the 365 days of the solar year? 365. 365. And there's German. Null, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, something like that. 181. Once again, there's, like I said, I'm going to make this clear, and I've covered this in the back of, I think, both of the last books, and I put every single, um, every single way that you can essentially do this in German, and this, you know, zero through nine, your deck, your your decimal system, your deca, zero through nine equals 181. Use the rule of Kolel. What do you got? The internal degrees of the triangle. So English, love learning all the math. Thank you, Marty, for helping us understand. You are welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so to get to 180 all the time is insane. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And it takes the, once again, this, any any perception that people have, the ones the one that they actually have of what the Bible is and stuff like that, and to ignore this stuff or to say it's not in there, right? Anything that I'm presenting, you know, I've heard this by many, many times by many different people over the years. So I'm not just picking on Mr. James Roberts there. Um, but I've heard that. And when you present something like this, if that's still your opinion, then I guess your opinion is pretty much null and void because you can't do basic math. So um, 365, you wonder why the term... Um, fear not is in the Bible 365 times. Why? They specifically, when they wrote that entire thing, when they translated it, whatever, we don't know, we can't know because we can't go back into history and actually find out exactly what happened. All we can do is pick up the pieces and say, hey, is this thing encoded? Is there encodings in there? Has this been encrypted? Is our language sacred? Yes, it is. Of course it is. Why? Because God is everywhere. Fear not. When they wrote the Bible, the entire thing, New, New Testament, they put in the Bible, fear not, 365 times. Why? I'll, I guess I'll let you guys answer that question. Christ. 365, there's the first three letters of Christ in using the septenary cipher. So that's just one, one of the things. I wrote a whole book on all the things that you can extract 
specific things you can extract from his name, his holy and great name, Lord Jesus Christ, that points to all of this deeper level of information. Um, there's just one more I want to show. There's I'm just showing a smattering of things here before we before we get on because I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this baby up because I'm at Flattoberfest and I gotta go talk to all the surfers, all the tinfoil hat nutter butters. So um, this is the the precious stones in Revelation. So it's don't ask me what verse, uh, what verses, what chapter, maybe 16, chapter 21, something like that. Anyway, um, it gives you the 12 precious stones and then the, the city that's made out of pure gold. And so gold, jasper, sapphire, you can read it all, right? And you can do all the math yourself, just as it's crafted in the authorized King James Bible. You put all those together and you get the precious stones in Revelation. The city of God equals 365. Why? Is, is there a deeper meaning here? Maybe God crafted the story of our death and resurrection and our salvation right in the sky above us. Maybe he put it, maybe he crafted it so that everybody could find it. And he crafted that story in the sun. Maybe. Maybe he put the fundamental understanding of the Trinity right in a triangle. Something that's available to every single human being. I always said, if that if um what did i always say <laughs> i always said that if christ is real and god is real i shouldn't have to go to a book to find him well you don't you can just look right above your head and understand that that pattern of the sun is ordained and it's been you know it's been it's a pattern that's been created by the creator himself to pass on a message to you and the people whoever it was, God himself that came down and wrote it, or the people that were divinely inspired, I don't know, and I'm not going to make any claims. But I do know this, that that same message is in English, in French, in Spanish, and in German. And it's probably in a lot of other places as well. Um, so there's that. Now, people have problems with uh, Gematria because... Let's just face it, there's a lot of freaking god-awful gematricians out there. And there's a lot of them, okay? And in fact, there's a site, and I've ripped on this before because it's an awful site. It's, it's pardon, pardon me, but it's, I find this place disgusting for what they're doing. They're actually taking a sacred science, and pardon my language, but shitting all over it. Gematria is supposed to teach you about God. It's supposed to lead you to God. It's supposed to lead you to the deepest, you know, at least in a numerical sense, the deepest understanding of God we can have in a numerical sense, it's crafted right in our language, okay? You can do what I just did, French, English, Spanish, German, and you can go to their site and they have, I don't know, 50 ciphers on there. They have like their four main ciphers that they use. I only use one, just so you know, always. I only ever use the septenary. And this is why. It's not because I'm egotistical or self-righteous or he thinks his cipher is the only one. It's not my cipher. I don't own shit. I don't possess anything because I'm not possessed. The reason I use the septenary cipher is because of this. Because it allows me to see that there has been encryption in other languages and it all points to the fact of the, well, all points to the ever-presence of God. 
So you can go to gamatronator.com and you can perform this little experiment for yourself and I highly recommend you do that. And you know what you're gonna get? A mishmash and menagerie of a bunch of random freaking numbers that nobody has any relationship to. This is called force-fitting stuff. This is called inventing the meaning. And this is where I'll say, absolutely, lots of people that do gamatria invent the meaning and force-fit stuff. Absolutely. Just like most astrologers out there are God-freaking-awful. Most of them. Most gamatricians are God-freaking-awful. It's just the way it, you know, it's just it's a straight and narrow gate kind of thing. You know? So, you can go to gamatronator.com and you can perform this little experiment that we just did today and you can find the results yourself. Okay, so I just did the two here on one of the, the four base ciphers, whatever the hell that means. And so you did zero through nine at the top there and you get an ordinal 522. And then you go to one through 10 there and you get ordinal and you get 497. Well, what's your guys' relationship to the number 497? How about 522? What happens when you do this in Spanish zero through nine or Spanish one through 10 or the male or the female or you do it in French? Do you know what you're going to get? Not 180 every single time. Not 360 or 365. Numbers that we have direct relationships to. People that do fundamentals of geometry, like what's a circle? What's a square? What are the internal degrees of those things? Some of the first things you learn when you do any sort of geometry, let alone sacred geometry or whatever, right? Under which Sacred geometry is just recognizing that geometry comes from a you know the creator. So, so there's that. So you will find no congruence with any of these, with any of the ciphers on this site. What we just found there, you won't find anything of the sort. Now, what's so funny is that they actually have the septenary cipher on this site and they have all these categories of all these different ciphers. Like they have the prime cipher and like the satanic cipher and the Hebrew cipher. Aren't, aren't those the same? Aren't those? Anyway, <laughs> little joke. Um, so all these different categories of all these different ciphers. And then they have the septenary cipher on there. And they put it in a category called mathematical. At least the last time I was there, which was probably, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something like that. Until I did this, I should say. Um, they put the septenary cipher in a category called mathematical. Wait, what? Wait, aren't they all mathematical? <laughs> like it's, it's like, that's how completely ridiculous the gamatronators are punching a bunch of stuff into a calculator getting random numbers and then this is where i will criticize force fitting that meaning well that's not what we're doing here that's not what we're doing here at the gnostic church and academy of lord jesus christ i'll never do that and if i ever if i ever come up with you know anything and i find out that it's that i've, I've made a wrong correlation i will tell you that in fact i'm at the flat toberfest and my speech today is going to be on that very thing about how even I was fooled with, um, with numbers because of I was listening to NASA and they're, yes, the moon is this big and stuff like that. And I just trusted instead of actually using math to say, is what, is what you're telling me true. So, but if you would like, you can go, uh, and if you're a casual gamatronator, you can pay $444 a month and get 50 other ciphers or 40 other ciphers along with the base four. And um, you can, you know, uh, you, you, all ciphers are unlocked and you can create a cipher. You can create your own cipher. That's how ridiculous this is. Create up to 20 custom ciphers. Talk about force-fitting meaning. So... 
every time you punch a word into something like this and you use four different ciphers, that at least gives you four different options in which you can force fit your meaning to. This breaks the fundament. This is logical fallacy 101 broken into a million pieces is what it is. Logical fallacies all day long when you do stuff like this. That's not what we're doing. It's not what we're doing at all. So where is that 180 though? Where is that 180? What's the, what's the most important place that we can find that 180? Well, we found it on the back of God's head and Christ's head. And wait, they're one, right? I and my father are one kind of thing. So I guess that's all the same. So we found all these triangles everywhere in the back of God. And we know we can do basic geometry and understand that yeah, that's 180 degrees. Okay, where do we find this number 180? Once again, we're going to go right to the digits that God put right in front of us. And we're going to locate those, okay? So pay attention. I'm going to do this slow. Your hand has 28 phalanges, your hands, okay? This is just, enumerating these is no different than enumerating the sun. Oh, it's rising here, and then it sets, then it rose again. That's one. Oh, it rises again and sets, then it's again. That's two. And then you do that 365 times, and then the cycle starts again. Remember, I think it was last week we talked about, last week, maybe the week before, we talked about a cycle in and of itself shows, is, is proof of a design. If it was just random and chaotic, there wouldn't be a cycle. It would just be like freaking flying over in the galaxies and space and space dust and all that other stuff. That's not what happens. So let's look at our 10 little piggies, our 10 digits here. We're going to count them. We're going to enumerate. The phalanges, these are the natural segments, divisions. Once again, I know this is a review, but reviews are good because, you know. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Fourteen, and you got two of these hands, so fourteen plus fourteen is twenty-eight. Twenty-eight is the seventh triangular number. Is seven important in the Bible at all? Do we find seven, like the six days resting on seven? I think seven is mentioned 54 times in Revelation. Seven is, a, is clearly, without question or controversy, considered a divine or sacred number cross-culturally. In religions across the world, you'll find an extra special focus on the number seven. Why? God put it right in front of you. That's why. That's one of the reasons. 28 phalanges here on these, your little digits. Adding 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 equals 28. Multiplying 1 through 7, as you can see on the top there, equals 5,040. So all we did is we looked at our phalanges, said, hey, 28. Well, that's adding 1 through 7. Okay, let's take those same numbers and multiply 1 through 7. 5,040 divided by 28 is 180. So just by using basic arith arithmetical functions that children learn. These are, this is your basic stuff. Add, subtract, multiply, and divide. That's what we're doing. We're not even, we're not even uh, subtracting here. We're just adding, multiplying, and dividing through seven. And what do you get? A number that's in French and English and Spanish and German. And most importantly, though, behind the head of God. So, are we force-fitting stuff? Are we inventing meaning? 
Or do numbers have specific meanings? And the problem is, the problem is, is not enough people are, are understanding that medium, the medium, the medium of math, that language of math, and understanding how important those numbers are. I always love it when people, because uh, I get this criticism all the time, not just, once again, I'm not just ripping on uh, uh, Jim, Jimmy Bob over there or anything like that. Um, I've, I've gotten this over the years. It's like, hey, worship numbers. That's it's just about numbers, man. <laughs> Smoke your weed is about numbers. No, no, it's not at all. It's just understanding that, hey, that's one of the tools that allows us to understand design. So yeah, we're going to focus on numbers a bit. It's not all about the numbers at all. But that said, how in the world, how in the world could you possibly understand that God is singular, meaning monotheistic, if you don't understand the properties and qualities of the number one, first and foremost? How are you going to possibly understand the concept of the Trinity when literally the word Trinity is tri, meaning three, unity, coming together as one? How in the world are you going to possibly understand even the foundation and basics of that if you don't understand numbers first? What is three? What is one? So, hopefully we did, hopefully I was in service to you today and it helped you understand things you already understood. Well, what is number 180? 360, 365, right? But also understand why the Trinity is so powerful. Why, why three becoming one? Why not five becoming two or seven becoming 10 or 1,000 becoming 562? Because the Trinity is all around you right in front of you, and apparently, whoever crafted our language made sure that it was encrypted and encoded in all of these different languages. I should say, whoever crafted our alphabet. Handed down from on high, bunch of really smart-ass people that were connected to the divine. I don't know, and I'm not going to make the claim. But what we can do is look at our language, look at all these, these different languages, and reverse engineer it and say... Something divine's going on. Whatever these people are doing, they're certainly pointing to these fundamentals. Okay. Did we do any learning today, people? Chance, how are you, Mr. Interverse Podcast? How is the, how is the, uh, the Music and Sky Festival? Is it going well? Oh, Tinder Hot XWXYZ Best Adult Dating Site was canceled? Why? Why was she thrown out? I was, I was just getting excited. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hope you guys learned something today. I, I thought it would be a good review. Um, I wanted to do this at some point, and I figured because I was so busy um, with the flat, Tober, the flatties and the flurfers and giving the speeches and stuff like that, um, that this was a, kind of an easy one to get together because I've done it before. So, um, yes, my butt in church. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate all the support. Um, all right. I'm going to... Th small acts. Thanks for the re review today. Please give Paige a hug and Dave a punch in the arm for me. No problem. First snow in the mountains this morning in northwest Montana. Yay. Nice, dude. Hit the trail, man. Hit the trail. Allison Flynn, 699. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm sorry I don't get back into the chat enough. So if I missed any, I, I, I apologize. If you do get a chance, 
stop on over to Gnostic Academy and become a member. And you can become a member for five bucks a month. Oh, no, you can't. No, that's not a thing. I'm lying. Um, you can become, we do three months, 14 bucks, you know, 314. See what I did there? Ooh, ooh. Am I an encryptor? Am I doing some cryptology? Not really. Um, three month tithing, three dollars. Uh, three months for fourteen bucks. I'll get it together one of these days. Um, and then you can do one here. And if you want to donate through that portal, is what keeps this thing going. And I've said it, and I've I've made this proclamation to to you all and to God Himself. I will only keep going and doing this if I have the support of the people. If people see this and they value it and they value this information and they value these insights and they value what we do here, then please show um, please show the support. Please uh, donate when you can. And I know everybody's hurting and there's inflation and there's like the, you know, all this other stuff going on. And uh, that's why we keep it cheap. And I'm uh, just going to rely on you. And it's that simple. And if I can't keep doing this, then I can't keep doing this. And that's all right. I'll go shovel shit or something like that. That's what I did in Hawaii. I picked up dog poop. That's what I should be doing with my time. Not decoding multiple languages. I should be picking up dog poop. It's fine by me. I'm a blue collar man. I'll do whatever I need to do to support my family. Um, and that's how it is. So, guys, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna, we're going to head down to the Flatty Fest and go say hi. I think Media Bear's there. We're going to say hi to Media Bear. So, um, and I, I really only want to talk to him because he's the only guy that's actually being responsible and wearing a mask, you know. So he's, you know, he's keeping his distance. And anyway, terrible joke. So uh, we're going to listen to, it's a band called Trip the Witch. It's called Trip the Witch. And it's um, two guitar players, uh, Dean DeLo of Stone Temple Pilots. And it's mainly a, an instrumental record. It's a badass instrumental record too. But it's Dean DeLo from Stone Temple Pilots. Um, who's a great guitar player, and this other guy named Tom Bukovac, and he's Uncle Larry. And so if you've got any guitar players out there, anybody that likes to play guitar and learn guitar, highly recommend the channel um, 501 Chorus, is I think is what it's called, but Homeschooling with Uncle Larry, and it'll uh, point to that, and just great videos. Unbelievable guitar player. Just the guy, every note that this guy plays comes straight from his soul. So tasteful, never overplays like somebody you know. And um, just great. So anyway, this is a really, really cool, cool-ass tune and great solo by uh, Tommy, little Tommy Bukovac, Uncle Larry, as they, they call him. And so that's going to do it. So we will see you guys next Sunday. I was thinking I was going to stream at the Flattoberfest, but it's really noisy. And so there's really not, it's really kind of hard to do that. So, um, and everybody's really busy and talking to people. And so it's hard to grab people and that sort of thing. So I might not do that, but we will be back next week with more fun and laughter and praising the Lord, all of that, uh, all that stuff. Same bad time, same bad channel, same bad place. You know the deal. Okay, guys, uh, I will see you on the flip side. Thank you all for the support. I really appreciate that. 19, what is this? Teresina Sulo, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, the mishmash of ciphers. Yeah, it's it's so terrible. It's just so, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's freaking embarrassing. It gives me a bad name too. It's like, oh, you're one of those Camatre people, dude. They're just it's like, no, I don't do what they're doing at all. Not even close. But anyway. All right. So let's jam out. All right, guys. As always. Many blessings and much love to all.